On behalf of the Word Power family, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. It has been a delight over the course of this last year to share the Word of God with you. We wish you the very best during this holiday season, and we want to say Merry Christmas to you in the best way we know how, by sharing the Word of God with you. You will see posted following uh, this particular introduction, uh, my favorite Christmas message preached from John chapter 1 several years ago. I had the opportunity, the privilege of preaching to the wonderful worshipers of First Baptist Church, McKinney, Texas, my favorite Christmas sermon, and we want to share that with you this holiday season. We trust that you'll take this gift from God's Word and that you'll pass it on to others. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you mean to us in our ministry. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Good morning. Good morning. I am grateful to have this privilege to usher in the Christmas season with you. Indeed, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. We look forward to this time of year when we celebrate God's great gift to us that came wrapped not in ribbon and bow, but in skin and bone. A gift that keeps on giving moment after moment, day after day, life after life. Let's pray together and we'll see what God has for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the privilege to gather in your presence. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. And Father, what you're going to do. This is your time. We have gathered in your name. And Father, we are here for no other reason than to seek your face with all of our hearts. Speak to us this morning. May we leave different because we have encountered you in a fresh new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little girl came home from Sunday school one December Sunday just as excited as her mother had ever seen her. She said, Mommy, Mommy, my teacher told me I drew the most unusual Christmas picture she'd ever seen. Well, the mother said to her delighted daughter, Sweetheart, let me take a look at it. She took the picture from her delighted daughter, looked at it for a moment, and was more than a little puzzled by what she saw. She said, Honey, this is a beautiful picture you have here. But all I see are a bunch of people on an airplane. What does this have to do with Christmas? Well, the daughter was devastated. Crestfallen and hurt, she said, Mom, that's the flight into Egypt. Can't, can't you see it? The Bible talks about the flight into Egypt. A sympathetic mother apologized and said, oh, honey, I am so sorry. I, I should have seen that. But, sweetheart, who's the mean-looking man in the front of the plane? She said, Mom, that's Pontius the pilot. <laughs> the mother apologized for her ignorance. And then... With tremendous hesitancy, she asked, Well, sweetheart, if the mean-looking man at the front of the plane is Pontius Pilate, who's this big guy in the back of the plane? 
She said, Mom, that's Ralph's John Virgin. <laughs> we laugh. But there is a lot of confusion concerning Christmas these days, isn't there? It seems that we have so secularized this sacred season, the cradled Christ can barely be seen through all the clutter of crash commercialism. It seems Santa has replaced the Savior, Rudolph has replaced the Redeemer, toys have replaced truth, and glittering lights have replaced the glorious light of God's great love. So what is Christmas all about? I can sum it up in four words. God in the flesh. God in the flesh. Christmas is a celebration of that glorious event in human history when God took his love out of the abstract and brought it into the concrete. It is that marvelous, magical, majestic moment in time when God stepped down a stairway of stars and into the womb of a woman. The incarnation of the infinite. God in the flesh dwelling among us. When man had lost his way in the darkness, when hope seemed on the verge of extinction, when the light of God's love had been all but buried behind the black veil of human sin and suffering, God came. I encourage you to open your Bibles this morning to the first chapter of John's Gospel. The first chapter of John's Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 1. As we look this morning at Christmas in a word, the challenge we face every Christmas season is to move beyond the mundane and recapture the miraculous. What I mean is our familiarity with the event seems to have sabotaged our fascination with the event. Every Christmas season, we come to the very same staple, don't we? Mm. Same Mary, same Joseph, same shepherds, same wise men, and in the middle of it all, a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in an angel. We have seen the scene over and over and over and over and over again. So how can we move our minds beyond the ordinary to which all of us have grown oh so familiar and recapture our fascination with the extraordinary? How can we view Christmas differently, more deeply? And immediately upon finding John's Gospel, you will discover it is unlike any of the other Gospels. Matthew and Luke focus on the when and where of Christmas. John focuses on the who and why of Christmas. Matthew and Luke view Christmas through the eyes of man. But John views Christmas through the eyes of God. Matthew and Luke start their story conception. But John starts his story all the way back at creation. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What child is this who lay to rest in Mary's lap lay sleeping? John says he is the Word. Isaiah called him Emmanuel. Mary called him Jesus. But John calls him the Word. What a strange connotation for the cradle of Christ. Strange, but extremely significant. You see, a word is the visible expression of an invisible thought. You and I express what we are thinking, how? Through what we say. So Jesus was the visible expression of an invisible God. When Mary laid that little baby in Bethlehem's manger, the love of God was no longer a theological concept, but a living, breathing organism. And the Word became flesh. I want us to glean several powerful truths from this tremendous text that I hope will help us view Christmas more deeply this season. In John chapter 1, the Word of God tells us God the Word. This baby whose birth we celebrate is eternal in his beginning. We'll look at the text before you. In the beginning was the Word. When was the Word? In the beginning. You're going to have to do better than that, remember, participatory preaching. When was the Word? In the beginning was the Word. John is not referring to a start in time, but a state in time. He is not referring to a temporal start, but an eternal state. John does not say from the beginning. He says in the beginning. That implies a pre-existent state of being. In other words, before there was a creation, there was a Christ. Before there was this world, there was Jesus. Before there was a sun to shine, a moon to glow, or stars to sparkle in splendor, there was the glorious light of God's great love. Now think about it. Jesus was the only person who at the very moment of his birth was older than his mother and as old as his father. Not only does John tell us this baby whose birth we celebrate was from the beginning. He also tells us that he was the architect of creation. Look at verse 3. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Creation starts with Christ, ends with Christ, and is held together by Christ. Yeah. He is the creative agent 
by which God's creative order came into being. All things were made by him and through him. Now think about it. This little baby whose birth we celebrate created the very world into which he himself would be born. <clears throat> wow. I could even say it backwards. <laughs> Genesis tells us that God spoke, and so it was. The sky, the earth, the water, the sea, the trees. But when it came to man, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Can you imagine the immortal, incomprehensible, inexhaustible, limitless, eternal Lord of glory, looking down into the dust from which he had formed and fashioned man, and thinking to himself, I cannot believe it. One day I'm going to put myself into my face. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God tells us God the word, this baby whose birth we celebrate, is eternal in his being. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I must confess, we are entering a realm of divine discussion that is beyond my meager comprehension. How can the Word be with God and be God at the same time? Well, isn't that the mystery of the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son... God the Holy Spirit, three, yet one? How in the world is such a thing possible? One plus one plus one always equals three, doesn't it? Sure it does. But one times one times one equals one. And that is why Jesus could say, He that has seen me hath seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Can any of us fully fathom the magnitude of this glorious truth? The incarnation of the infinite, the eternal and embryo. Let us be honest with ourselves and one another. Who in this room can fully fathom the limitless God confined to the wall of a universe floating in amniotic. The incarnation of the infinite, the eternal and embryo, the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. As much God as if he had never been man, as much man as if he had never been How in the world does one describe the dual nature 
of this cradle of Christ. The prophet Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet who saw with New Testament eyes, described the duality of the cradled Christ this way. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And those two thoughts are two tremendous truths. Isaiah was not being redundant. He was not simply exercising poetic license by expressing one thought two ways. No, he says something about this baby whose birth we celebrate that could never be said of any other baby. For unto us a child is born. As fully human, this baby would be born like any other baby. But unto us a son is given. As the Son of God, who is from eternity to eternity, who has no beginning and will have no ending, unlike any other baby, this baby would be given. Holy God wrapped in human flesh. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. As a child, he is given. As a son, he would die. Now look at these two tremendous truths. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. One tells us he is the son of man. Right? Child is born. The other tells us he is the son of God. A son is given. One tells us of his earthly beginning. A child is born. The other tells us of his eternal being. A son is given. One tells us he is the baby of Bethlehem. A child is born. But praise God, the other tells us he is the Lord of A son is given. As a child, he is born to live with us. But as a son, he is given to die for us. Bible scholar John. Phillips has said the great mystery of the manger is that God should be able to translate deity into humanity without distorting the deity or discarding the humanity. You say, I don't understand it. Well, neither do I. But we are in pretty good company. Because the Apostle Paul, who without question was the wisest theologian ever to walk on worldly soil, Confessed to Timothy, his son in the faith, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a marvelous mystery. It is a majestic mystery. It is a magnificent mystery. But it is still a mystery. And you and I are not called to explain it. You're called to accept it by faith. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The eternal Word became the earthly Word so that you and I would be able to understand the eternal Word. You say, but Wayne, I still don't understand it. <laughs> well, if God in the flesh is that hard for us to understand, how much harder do you think it was for the Lord Jesus to explain? 
Have you ever thought about that? Uh, remember that occasion in Scripture where we are told Jesus went to the temple when he was 12 years old? The Bible does not tell us what happened in the temple that day. But it does say all who heard him were astonished at his answers. Imagine the dialogue between Jesus and those Jewish scholars going something like this. Son, what's your name? Well, on my mother's side, my name is Jesus. But on my father's side, my name is Emmanuel. God lives. Well, son, how old are you? <laughs> On my mother's side, I am 12 years old. But on my father's side, I am from eternity to eternity. Look here, young fellow, all we want are a few straight answers. Now, where do you come from? <laughs> On my mother's side, I have come to you from Bethlehem, the city of David. But on my father's side, I have come to you from the very portals of glory. All right, smart aleck. We'll humor you then. What are your future plans if you think you are so special? Well, on my mother's side, I plan to go out there and die on the cross. You are going to put me to death. You are going to lift me up between heaven and hell as if fit for neither and put me to death between two thieves. But on my father's side, three days later, I am going to come crashing out of that grave victorious and I'm going to return to the right hand of God where I belong. And you thought Isaiah was just being redundant when he said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is born. This baby, whose birth we celebrate, this little child whom Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, is the very one who created the universe. And the Word became flesh and dwelt Why did he do this? The Word of God tells us God the Word. This baby whose birth we celebrate came to bring light to the darkness, hope to the hopeless, and salvation to the sinner. Verse 4. In him was life. The light is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. The darkness did not comprehend. Verse 12. Light. Oh, how I praise God for that conjunction. Light. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God 
even to them. That believe in his name. Jesus came to drive away the darkness and illuminate the light of God's redeeming grace for all of us. But do we see it? It shines for all, but not all see through it. For 51 years, Bobbins was blind. He could not really see a thing. He lived with only sounds and smells to guide his steps. His world was veiled behind a curtain of blackness. But then a skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and that black veil was removed. Fifty-one years of darkness was suddenly obliterated by light. Bodies could see. And what he saw overwhelmed him. Listen to his words. He said, I, I, I don't have the words. I am amazed by yellow. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. I the words. I'm amazed by red. I just, I just can't believe that. I could see the moon and, and, and the stars, and, and I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky, leaving a vapor trail, and of course the sun rises and sunsets. And at night, I, I look at the stars in the sky, the flashing light. You could never know how wonderful it is. And he's right. But Bob Edens is not the only one who spent a lifetime in darkness. There are many in this world who are sighted but cannot see. You and I could stare straight at something and never really see it. And unless someone removes that black curtain from our eyes, we may never see it. When this baby was born, when Mary wrapped that little child in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, our darkness was obliterated. And the light of God's love was illuminated for all the world to see. No longer do we have to walk in the darkness. Because the light of God's love has come to us wrapped in swaddling clothes like a manger. And if we are willing to receive as our own God's great Christmas gift, Wrapped not in women in bow, but skin and bone. This child in the manger can become the guiding light in our lives. You see, this child who was born, this son who was given, would grow up to be Savior of the world. And as Savior, he would proclaim, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but have the light of life. Don't let the tinsel and trappings of the temple keep us from seeing the truth of this message. 
Let us not become so blinded by the bind and the grind of the day today that we fail to see the light of God's love as it pierced the darkness of creation that first Christmas morning. Look into the cradle. Really, really see the light. The light that drives away the black veil of sin and shame and illuminates our hearts with the glorious light of his redeeming. If you and I will take the time to look into that really, really, we will never be the same. Heavenly Father, we're so very grateful that you loved us enough to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. You came to lift each of us out of darkness and into the light of Father, I, I pray for that individual in this room this morning who sits here still living in darkness, perhaps having seen the stable year after year, decade after decade, but this morning they've come to understand, not with their head but with their hearts, that you have come to rescue them out of the darkness of sin and shame and bring them into the light of your forgiving grace. Father, help us to view Christmas more deeply this season as we understand you, you, the almighty, the immortal, the inexhaustible, incomparable Lord of glory has come to us for one reason. He loves us. In Jesus' name we pray.